Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, he's manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. This is a really exciting week, Eric. So why is it an exciting week? Do you have something going on? You know, not that much going on, say, now through Friday. But then Saturday, we're going to get on a plane and we're going to go to the greatest place on Earth. We are coming to B-Town. Man, have we waited so long to be able to say that. It's been over 520 days since you and I have been in Bloomington. But who's counting? Exactly. (laughs) When I did the count, I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. We're going to Bloomington and we're going to do up Bloomington. That's what we're going to do. Saturday night. We're going to paint the town crimson. Boom. And probably with our blood. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Saturday night, we're going to Little Zagreb's. Mm. We get in town Saturday. Mm. Listen, if you're listening to this and you want to hang out with us, well, first of all, there's something wrong with you. We get that. But yeah. if there is something wrong with you, we're going to announce where we're going to be the whole weekend. We are going to have dinner. Hoosier <laughs> Hysterics flash mobs. That's what we're going to yeah, do. All seven of you. Um, <laughs> but then after on Saturday night, we're going to go to some bar. I don't know, Nick's, Bird, somewhere. We'll pick a place. I do want to go to the Irish Lion while we're there. Ward, you and I have not been to the Irish Lion together, and we need to eat some Blarney puffballs. Okay. Oh, you know where else we need to go? I mean, this list could get really long, really quick. Well, look, they're all food places, but we need to go to Hinkle's Hamburgers. Okay. Have you ever been? I don't think so. There's Harvey Hinklemeyer's in Peru, which is great, but I don't get the burger. I don't think there's a relation. Um, Hinkle's Hamburgers, it's a legendary place. It's been there forever. It's on the west side. It's not on Kirkwood. Okay. But it, it was doing like smash burgers before smash burgers became a thing. Okay. Everybody in Bloomington that lives there knows Hinkle's Hamburgers. We got to get over to Hinkle's Hamburgers and grab a burger. Get in on the local secret. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if they they don't want the co-eds to know about that and, and invade the place, but we're old now. We can go. 
do you know the game, the category game? No. The game is you name a category and okay. then two people go back and forth naming something in that category. Oh, yeah, my, my kids repeat, play this. And you can't repeat. Right. And I are going to play the category game for places in Bloomington that we need to go to eat. Okay. This weekend. All right. You start. Go. Buffaloes. Zagrebs. Mother Bears. Irish Lion. The Farm. Pizza X. Uptown. Culver's. Upland. Village Deli. Can we get a hot dog at Assembly Hall? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bottom line. Oh, Eric Gordon's Greek Pizzeria. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the, look. This is why you're crash dieting. All right, so let's get into that. Uh, when not, we made the decision not too much. I don't think it's a healthy message to put out into the world. It's not, but I know that I will gain roughly between 18 and 25 pounds while we were in, while we are in Bloomington. That's where my mind is at. Okay. So, starting on Friday, last Friday, I've started a binge crash diet. I am down, this is day three of the diet. I am down 12.2 pounds. You, didn't you lose 10 in the first day? 8.1 in the first day. Okay. All right. That, that, that scared me a little bit. Two a day seems like that's just a good solid bowel movement. The first, yes. <laughs> the first day, it's just, I was eating so badly that, you know, you just, your body just gets rid of it all. And I was working out. I am running as much as I possibly can. I'm doing two a day workouts. And my goal is to lose between 15 and 20 pounds by the time we get to Bloomington so that I don't feel bad when I put it all back on. Got it. I mean, you will feel bad because you're eating that much food, but it won't be like that guilty thing. It's just going to be so good. I mean, like, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I know people get excited to go on like vacations to like, oh, we're going to Italy or, you know, I, I don't give a shit. I just want to go to Bloomington every chance I get. I really do. That is what I am so worked up about. What about you? Uh, it's that we're going to be amongst fellow hysterics. You know, just that we've talked about this before, used to go back to IU before this whole podcast thing. And it was a little bit lonely because whoever you traveled there with, you're like, yep, this is where I, I used to do this and used to do that. And look how beautiful it is. And this food's good and let's go to a game. And that's amazing. But the, the community, you know, if five people come out, if 15 people come out to wherever we're at, um, that's just the element of this Twitter spaces has been nice to, to give us a little bit of that interaction, but I am just very ready to be in a Bloomington bar or eatery talking about IU and life and whatever else comes across our minds, because, you know, it's not you and me talking to each other or a cool IU person and these people just having to listen to us drone on. I, I need the input because it's all been output. It's like, Superman needs the sun. We need Bloomington to revive our strength. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would not. What, what is somebody much less impressive than Superman to draw an analogy to? Um, Popeye maybe with spinach? It's, yeah, it's, sure, Popeye. Okay. Yes. Bloomington is our spinach. Totally. All of it. So yeah. I am excited i want you to start doing some stomach exercises because we're going to be eating a lot so i just need you to be going toe-to-toe -to -toe with me on all this 
I mean, stomach exercises, that to me is like, I need to start eating more to expand the size of my stomach. You might need to, you might need to, you, you've got a crazy metabolism. So you don't have to worry about the weight gain. I got to worry about the weight gain. So that's yeah. why I'm losing it. And then I will just ravage my body with food intake. And by the way, I will likely pass away before I'm 50 years old. I mean, <laughs> this just cannot be good for the heart. It just can't be. But the heart wants what the heart wants and the stomach wants what the stomach wants. And, and the heart and the stomach both want Bloomington. It's happening. Um, we hope to see as many of you there as possible. Obviously, um, there won't be a lot of athletics going on, though, who knows, maybe, maybe I should start exercising for the first time in a year just to get my endurance up for you wake up earlier than I do. Yeah. You're going to make us do stuff early in the morning that even on West coast time would be painful for me, yeah. you know, but, but that's going to be three hours earlier there. So I, I sort of feel like, Oh, how much coffee can I really rely on? I might need to just take a few runs this week to be able to go the whole nine yards. I mean, we're going to be up late. We're going to be up early. There's a lot going on. You did tell me earlier that 9 a.m. was appropriate. That's what yeah, you told that's, me earlier. That's 6 a.m. here. Yeah, but there is, don't, don't be like an 80-year-old with the time change. When you're in the new place, you're on that time. What I'm saying is, if you want to stay up till 6 a.m., I can do that. Because that's 3 a.m. here. Yeah, we'll stay up till they tell us to go home. That you are not as easily persuaded to do. Like you, like remember when Rabbi had to give you like the, yeah. the coach locker room speech of all time? Because we were all leaving Nick's going to upstairs and you were like, no, I'm tired. I'm an old man. I need my sleep. And Rabbi was in rare form and got you to do it. Right. So that's where I shine. I shine when it's dark. At night, I don't do well when it's dark in the morning when I wake up. Well, That's look, unnatural to me. I will say this. I am up later in Bloomington than I ever am in Los Angeles. So there I is something about it that, that just gets me going. So that's well, going to happen. And look, and it's going to be warm. When we're over uh, there, we're always in. We have thin blood now. We've been out west for so long. And and look, it, we're bundled up. We're prepared. But it's freezing ass cold usually when we're in Bloomington. So just to be there in the summertime is going to be magnificent. Let's be honest, though. You're the one that's bothered by the cold. You hate the cold. You hate it. I like it. I mean, I, I'll enjoy strolling from Assembly Hall to like Walnut smoking a cigar with you. No, I, I can do it for a few days. I just don't want to live in it for months at a time. All right, fair enough. You know what I do want to live in? I want to live in a world where Tom Allen gets football commitments all year round, baby. You're living in it. That's our world. It is unbelievable. I mean, no, 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 no. It's, no, it's Tom not. Allen's world and we're all living it. It's a what world? It's a Tom, it's Tom Allen's world. And we're living and we're in all it. living it. Yeah. He's lining up linemen. Like this is what, you know, when we talked to Matt Weaver, when we talked to uh, Tom Allen, they, Tom Allen said like the next step for this program is it's in the, the game is won or lost in the trenches. And when you just look at our players in the trenches on the lines compared to the teams that we want to be in the groupings with, we're smaller and, and we haven't been as talented in the past. And we don't have the depth. Don't have the depth. But that is slowly, but sh not even slowly anymore. It is changing. It is steadily changing. 
I mean, we got Omar Cooper, wide receiver. We got Bray uh, uh, Lynch. We've got, you know, a DJ Moore who just committed. Who's the big kid from Ohio? Was that not Bray? Maybe, yeah, maybe that was Bray. Um, but DJ Moore staying home. The big one coming up is Joe Strickland. High four-star, big lineman, huge dude. We'll see. It's down to us, Turdue, and one other that I can't remember. Or maybe it's five. I don't remember. All I care about is it is so much fun to see Tom Allen every time there's a commitment put out the gif of him just cheering. <laughs> it's it's sensational. Now let's port it over to basketball because we need some 22 mojo coming, and maybe it's coming with Jalen Hood Shafino. I mean, clearly the coaches are all in, showing up in force multiple games um, over those last weekend. You know, you've got to feel like, okay, clearly they're impressed by the guy and he's earned his, what, 27 ranking or wherever he's at right now. And you just got to hope uh, he's as into us as, as they are into him. And then you figure, well, if he was kind of like not giving off good vibes, they wouldn't be spending that much manpower watching him play these relatively meaningless games. Like the only point of these things is to show how interested you are. And you cannot ask Coach Woodson and um, the, the support staff to be showing up any more in force than they are for him. I agree. Um, I didn't love the tenor of, did you read Rabbi's article with the interview with him? I did not. The first half seems good. And the back half is like, yeah, there's going to be other schools involved. Yeah. Kansas and others. And, you know, like it just felt like it didn't feel at any point that Indiana is like a leader for it. And I would argue that I think I agree with you. It's great that Coach Woody and Yasir and Kenya, who's been on Jalen Hood Shafino for a long time, that they're coming out for him. I think it's less at this point about my gut is that sometimes when this happens, you know, oh, they're close to getting him. That's why they're coming in force. Or they need to show that they're really into him because he's the best that they've got. And they've got to go all in for him. And I think that's what's happening more than their confidence level. They lost on Justin Taylor. They're going to lose on Kyle Filipowski. They lost on Jalen Washington, which pisses me off. Couldn't even get him on campus. Couldn't even get the kid on campus. He goes to North Carolina, but the hell with it. He's gone. Jalen Hood Shafino is the only guy left. Didn't get that Trimble kid. Went to North Carolina also. Um, but Jalen Hood Shafino is the only guy left in that top group. And then there's a bunch of guys that, like, honestly are projects. Noah Clowney, Banks, um, CJ Gunn. Like, they're not impact players, whereas Shafino is the only guy left. And I think they realized, okay, like, our options have been limited for us. So we better go all in on him. They certainly didn't go all in on Kyle Filipowski. That's all you need to know. Kyle Filipowski played, I think on Thursday and Friday this weekend and one, maybe two coaches were there, but you didn't hear much about it. They didn't go three in for him. Like that tells you what they think their chances are with Kyle Filipowski. I'm going to remain on the positive track that I like to see our coaching staff several States away to see a kid who's one of the best in the country and then you do have CJ Gunn. And then I'm just starting to get myself used to the idea that that will be supplemented with the transfer portal. I agree with you. I, I, I firmly believe that the 2022 class will be made up primarily, not primarily, but the, the transfer portal will be as big or bigger a part of the class as high school kids. 
And then, you know, because again, the optimist in me is like, I think we're going to be a good team this year. I think we're going to play well. And Woody's going to have some real footage, not like here's Carmelo Anthony. I want to do the same thing with you, which is impressive as that is people are still at some point going to be like, is that actually what you can do at the, the college level? And I think we've got a loaded roster this year. And I think that when you start looking towards 23, and obviously we're in on a bunch of guys for 23, some new guys came up this weekend we've offered. It's like, okay, yeah, we've got a great roster this year. If we can get a couple of guys in, young guys next year, and a couple of transfers to keep that rolling, then there'll be enough proof in the pudding for these 23 guys to be like, okay, yep, yep, they can actually do this in the college game. Let's go. And I think what's key that you said there, it's not about whether the team wins or loses. It really isn't. It is about, does Trace Jackson Davis's game expand? Does Rob Finnessy become a better player? Does Tamar Bates have a breakout, you know, freshman season? Does Xavier Johnson realize some potential that he wasn't able to reach? Does Miller Cop shoot the crap out of the ball? Like, it for recruiting... Those individual stories and having the footage for Woody to be able to say to anybody six, nine and up that's mobile, look what we did with Trace's game. All he was was a rim to rim runner before and a back to the basket guy. And we expanded his game. Rob Finnessy had no confidence. Look, we made him into something. Scoop, Christian Lander. If they're able to show that style of play that Woody's bringing helps these guys flourish and feature them in a way that helps them for the next level, that's going to be huge. It, I argue with people online about this. It is not about winning and losing. For well, I feel like you you picked that up from Rabbi along the way, and now you're running with it. To me, if all that Michael stuff- Michael Lewis says the same thing. But if you're talking about all that stuff is happening, how does that not result in us winning more games? No, it, it's not like it these might. guys are all playing in a vacuum. All of a sudden, they take their games to the next level. And then when you look at who has those success stories of, of Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky or Kansas, well, most seasons, they're winning a shit ton of games. So I just don't think the two things are all that separate. Like, if you're having great player development, you're probably winning quite a few games. Steve Alford recruited, like, incredibly well at UCLA. Every year he was there. Because it was UCLA. Was it because he had incredible success stories of individuals from New Mexico? Guys liked playing in his system. I mean, guys like, at the end, Ben Howland wasn't recruiting well at UCLA. And that was coming off of three Final Fours. Those three. No, I mean, you can, you, can, you can go through and find the examples. But like, why did Ben Simmons you. go to LSU besides a buttload of cash? Was it that Will Wade had showed him somebody he was like, oh, you do this? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, every expert in the game that we've uh, talked you to. You mean Rabbi and Lewis? <laughs> Rabbi, Lewis, Kenya. Like, talk to these guys, and they will tell you it's not about selling winning. It's yeah, about no, selling I, I, b- I believe that, but I just think that the winning is a great benefit of developing the shit oh, out of your I player. agree with that. The winning, I'm just saying, if the team loses this year, okay, here's my point. If the team loses this year, but Trace Jackson Davis works himself into the first round of the NBA draft and Christian Lander explodes and like realizes potential and scoop has a great year. I'll stop you right there. Cause if all those three things happen, we're winning games. Okay. If a couple of those things happen and we don't win the way we want to, it'll still help them get kids. Yeah. At least if you have games like that. So listen, we're going to Bloomington on Saturday. 
And by the way, just to let you know, the flight is at 5.45 a.m., which, Ward, I give you credit. I know you don't like no. you don't like that time. You're not going to be in a good mood for the first couple hours of this trip. If I could sleep on the plane, and I'm not sure I'll be able to because knowing Bloomington is at the other end of that flight, but that could really be the difference for me just hitting the ground running. Well, take a little mama's little helper or something. And- now, then, then I'm messed up the whole day. I'll, I, will, I will power nap on the plane. We will need to, I'd say on this trip, because no, normally I go to Soma Cafe, right? You go downstairs. You've been in there with me at least. Mm-hmm. They have great cold brew. I wouldn't mind expanding my cold brew game. So if, especially now that it's summer, if anybody in the Twitterverse or on Peaks knows to wh- where to get a good cold brew coffee in Bloomington, I'd like to expand the menu a little bit there. Because again, you know, support all the local businesses, but Soma's right there by the graduate and it's boom, hit it and quit it. And I'm ready to go. Oh, oh. and the graduate actually has a decent one too. But if I do encounter you, leaving like like because i remember very distinctly after the hoosier hysterics event the next day we were all in rough shape i was like if i can make it from the elevator to getting around to the 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 breakfast bar there at the graduate and get a cold brew coffee then i'm ready for all comers but like who intercepts me halfway there is sage steel well i got the bed head and the bad breath and she's so excited about how yesterday went and i'm like I, you are not getting the best of me so if you intercept me pre coffee you're you're taking chances on on getting somebody real maybe dumb you're, maybe you're not a great judge of the best you and maybe that is the best you and caffeine is just altering you in a way that that god didn't intend this sounds like some some Old Testament stuff you're throwing at me. Yes. Fire and brimstone. I'm still eating bacon, my friend. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I'm super excited for this interview today. We uh, obviously focus primarily on men's basketball. We've expanded into other IU athletes and dignitaries and luminaries that have come out of Indiana University. And we've stepped into the IU women's basketball program from time to time. And I couldn't be more excited about it because... The program is meaningful, not just because of what it's doing on the court, but because of the way it's changing the perception of of that program at Indiana. And it means a ton to a lot of people. And we get to get into all of that with, I can't think of a better guest who couldn't have had a better run of success over the last year. That's still going. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Hoosier Hysterics, where we interview great IU players, coaches, people, human beings, and we've got specifically one of those here today, which Eric will give all the details of. All right, I'm just going to say this. I didn't hit record, and we were recording this for 10 minutes, and Grace had to go through my bullshit for 10 minutes and then realize that I wasn't recording. So I apologize to everybody. Grace realizes very early on we're total morons, Mm -hmm. and we're just going to start with that. So now, to do the intro for a second time, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to a great, a current great of Indiana University women's basketball in the greatest era of success for Indiana University women's basketball of all time. She does hail 
from Louisville, Kentucky, where she attended Sacred Heart. As a junior, she helped lead her Valkyries to a seventh district championship and an appearance in the state finals. Her senior year, she led the team to a regional final appearance. She became a Kentucky All-Star, a finalist for Miss Basketball Kentucky 2018. 2018 Louisville Courier Journal Female Athlete of the Year, seventh region player of the year by Kentucky Association of Basketball Coaches. She was rated as a five-star recruit by ESPN, number 46 overall in the 2018 class, a huge commitment to Indiana University and all she's done at Indiana her sophomore year all Big Ten first team Big Ten player of the week first time that had been done in several years her junior year which she just completed 15.1 points a game 6.5 rebounds 4.7 assists increased her stats in each of those categories each of her first three years WBCA All-American Honorable Mention USWBA All-American Honorable Mention Cheryl Miller Award Top Ten Watch List Mid-Season Wade Trophy Watch List Academic All-Big Ten Big Ten Distinguished Scholar, all Big Ten first team and helped lead Indiana to its first Elite Eight in program history. And then to relax, she joined Team USA and won the gold medal in the America Cup. She's a stat stuffer, first triple-double ever in Indiana University women's basketball history, and she liked doing it so much, she did it two more times and led the country. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the incomparable and patient Dealing with my stupid ass, Grace Berger. <laughs> so, Grace. Wait, Grace. Grace, now that you got to hear all of your accomplishments twice, what stands out for you with those accomplishments? <laughs> well, um, like I said the first time, but <laughs> the, the two that happened this year, making our first ever Elite Eight was extremely special and probably my favorite. And then a, a close second is definitely... Um, getting the opportunity for the first time to represent my country in the America Cup and, and win a gold medal was pretty surreal, surreal as well. So those two things definitely stand out. Where is the gold medal right now? So um, like we were talking about, I'm a pretty messy person. I'm not very tidy. Uh, I lose track of things all the time. So I left it at home in Louisville with my parents so that um, they can kind of keep an eye on it for me do you FaceTime with them just to see it from time to time? Like, that's what I would be doing. No, I, I, I wore it on my neck when we were flying home the whole time. So I got some good time with it. So now, yeah. you know, I'm letting them get some time with it. Very nice. Very well, nice. I'm sure they contributed a lot to you getting to the place where you could get that gold medal. So it's, it's a, you're a good daughter to, to give them some time with it. Um, what we usually do before we go into all these many accomplishments and how you got to that point is find out what you're doing right now and um, how you're getting ready for what's next. Yeah, so Coach Morin made me take a full two weeks off after I got back from, from Puerto Rico. Um, so I spent a week at home with my family, which was nice. Um, and then I, I came right back up here to be with my teammates and support them for a week of workouts. They've been up here since since early June working hard. Um, and so right, right now I'm, I'm back working out with them. We're, we're lifting weights, doing conditioning every single morning and then um, getting on the court, um, getting a lot of shots up and just working on becoming better for next year. And we're all looking really good and we're just really excited for the season to start here in a couple of months. Now before, when you take that time off, do you do it like I would do it where you're just lounging, you're just eating terrible food, watching TV? <laughs> Or is it, is it more of a moderate taking time off, not, not what you normally do to stay in shape and keep your skills up? 
Well, um, I think Coach Moore might be mad if I admit this, but um, I, I definitely was still, you know, getting some shots up and getting some cardio in, so I'd be prepared when I get back here. I can't – I have a hard time staying away from the game for too long, but it definitely wasn't as intense as it's been up to this point. So you are – without even knowing you at all, just watching you play, you're a gym rat. I mean, it just seems like that's what you are and 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 just have an incredible work ethic. You can see – how you've gotten better each year and it's remarkable to watch. But that all starts very early on in what Ward was talking about, your parents instilling that into you, I'm sure. And that does take us back to the beginning of your journey, which is in a state that we hate. And I know it's your home state, but I am curious. It's always weird having somebody from a rival state come and become such a part of a different state's thing. Was there rivalry that you felt between growing up in Louisville and Indiana and your family? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was actually born in, in Indiana, New Albany. Um, we're oh. Roman, yeah, so. You're Hoosier born. Uh, crucial, yeah, so crucial fact. myself a, a hometown player. Um, and yes. I lived there for like five or six years and then we moved right across the river to Louisville. But um, the entire side of my family on the mom's side, lives in Indiana. They're huge IU fans. Um, there's always always games going on when I was growing up over there, IU. Um, I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit now that I was a Louisville fan growing up, um, and just because my dad was, and I kind of followed his lead, but now we completely are off of that. We're 100% IU. Um, is your dad, your dad also? Well. Yeah, he is. He, he's been to some Louisville football games sometimes, which I don't support, but he, I mean, it's going to be a lot more fun for him to watch IU football games this year than Louisville football Absolutely. Games. Absolutely. Let's go. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So, so how did you, um, you grow up in a household that obviously cares about their colleges. They care about IU. They cared about Louisville. How do you find the game of basketball? How does it first come to you? Um, my dad played in college at um, a Division II school called Transylvania in Lexington. Um, Wait, stop. The, the name of the school is Transylvania? Yeah. Is that yeah. a joke? Are they the vampires? No, they aren't. They're, they're the bats. So Okay, yeah. okay. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> By the way, bad time in the world to be the bats. <laughs> Just say it. Not yeah, the best mascot these days. Definitely not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he was a, a big basketball junkie um, when I was growing up. Always had a game on. Um, and so I was just kind of following his lead. I had an older brother that played um, who, you know, wasn't the best at basketball, but he was older. <laughs> than me, so he always pushed me and I always wanted to beat him, which I finally did growing up. So I, I'm officially the best, the best sibling in the household. But, nice. um, you know, really, I just got into it with them and then I just fell in love with it. Now, could you take dad in a game of one on one yet? Oh, well, now I, I definitely could. He's a little out of shape. He, he <laughs> His jump shot's not very good, so um, as long as he doesn't post me up, I think I'm good. Yeah, that's just not fair. I mean, if they play the post-up game, that's just not fair. Yeah, um, what uh, Were there players that – were you a college basketball fan, an NBA fan, a WNBA fan? Who were the players that you looked to as kind of your, your role models in the game of basketball? Um, yeah, I was a, always been a huge WNBA fan. Um, we went to a lot of Indiana Fever games growing up because it was only about two hours away, so – um, Tamika Catchings is one that, that stands out. She's a legend, obviously. Um, so I, I always loved her game. And then um, we lived about 10 minutes away from, from Louisville, and they obviously have a really good women's basketball program. And so 
I got to kind of see some really great players there. Um, Angel McCautry was, was someone that I just idolized growing up. So um, we definitely went to a lot of a lot of Louisville games, a lot of Indiana Fever games. So I was always around the game, always watching it. Now, uh, I can't remember if it was the first time we started this podcast or since we started taping it. Um, if you said you just can't stay away from the game that long, is it is it just like you just love being in there and seeing the ball go through the hoop? Or are, are you also motivated by wanting to win this thing, uh, get a scholarship to this school, maybe play it in the WNBA one day. How, wh- where does it come in your mind, that motivation to, to just, Hey, I can't just sit here and watch TV. I got to go shoot. Um, honestly, I just, I just love it. So it's just what I want to be doing. Um, I think, you know, when you're so passionate about something, it's easy to be motivated. It's easy to, um, get up shots when it's you know cold outside dark outside I'd always go out in my driveway and get up shots um it's you know just what I wanted to be doing I didn't want to you know go hang out with friends all the time on, on Friday and Saturday nights I wanted to get up shots so it's just what I love and then I'm definitely you know have still have big goals of you know continuing my playing career after IU and still have big goals at IU so um that that definitely motivates me some too when you weren't playing basketball as a kid what were you into um, I, I actually played golf. Um, I won a state championship my freshman year with my team in golf. Wow. wow. I mean, yeah. you're, just, you're just a crazy athlete. I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely you not. are. So, so, so do you do you still have any time in the, the calendar to get out on the links, play the new faux course? Foul? Um, no, faux. It's, oh. it's not a real golf course. It's a faux oh, golf course. Okay. <laughs> um, that PFAU place. Do you play at all anymore? Or is it pure basketball these days? Um, I, I tried to play the first time over quarantine for in like three years, and I was really bad. So um, I've stayed away from golf since then, but maybe I'll pick it up someday. Uh, what about music, movies, TV, anything like that? Or are you just single-minded focused on b-ball? No, I mean, I, I love hanging out with friends. I have two dogs that um, I, I love, I'm obsessed with when I go home. And then um, I also really like music. I'm a big Justin Bieber fan, so I've been delayed. What's your uh, number one song, favorite song? Um, I'll have to go with Love Yourself. That's, that's basic, but it, it's a good one. I like Sorry. That's also a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's the one where he just says baby, baby, baby a lot? Baby. Baby. Okay. <laughs> that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, okay. And is it when you guys are warming up in the locker room, that kind of stuff, what, you know, in the, the weight room, who determines what's being played? Do you have any say in that? Yeah. So now that I'm a senior, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of get to pick the music a lot. So all my teammates are tired of Justin Bieber. They all, they all <laughs> hate me for it when, when baby comes on and we're in the middle of an intense workout in the weight room. But um, I think they, they've grown to love it. So you, you are a senior, but you also have Allie Patberg, who I believe is like basketball player emeritus at this point. <laughs> like she's got seven years in college basketball. <laughs> so doesn't she get to pull rank? Uh, she's got to pick the pet the past three or four years. So I think okay. this is- <laughs> fair enough. All right. So clearly basketball is something you're working at. You're becoming very good at it. You realize you're good at it. Your, your sacred heart high school team is kicking butt. Uh, when does recruiting and start and the serious thinking about going to college kick in and, and what was that process like for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't even know when entering high school, if I was good enough to play in college, um, I, I had no idea. So 
Um, I, I think I started getting recruited after my freshman season at Sacred Heart. Um, I started playing on, on the EYBL, which is a huge circuit um, for girls basketball coaches everywhere. So I think from there, things kind of picked up and I kind of realized maybe this is something that, that I could actually pursue and actually do. Um, and, and so it was a long two years and then I committed to IU pretty early because I, I, I knew um, it was the right fit. So I didn't really see any reason to talk to any other coaches and continue the annoying recruiting process. And so, um, yeah, I committed pretty early and, and that was it. Well, what was it about, you know, Coach Moore and that you were just like, oh, this is this is for me. This is my place. Um, I mean, I, I loved her as, as a person, first and foremost. I think she's really personable and, um, you know, really showed me in the recruiting process that she cared about me as, as more than a basketball player. Um, and then it just excited me because she had future goals for this program, which is amazing that we're now accomplishing it. Um, and I just, you know, loved how she didn't worry about the past and didn't speak about that, but it was all about the future and what she's going to, you know, use me and, and how I'm going to help her and the IU women's basketball program, along with my teammates, accomplish those goals. And um, I, I just, you know, bought into her plan. I really believed it. And I, I, I'm very glad that I did. So I, I was just going to say on that pitch, like, I feel like most coaches are going to say the same things. We we're going to win a lot. We're going to use you to win a lot. It's like, is it just something almost in your gut where you're like, well, this, this person is not only sincere about it, but i believe they can do it yeah definitely I mean I, I could just tell on you know from from watching practices when I was getting recruited and just listening to her talk when, when she was talking with me um, and, and also a lot of the coaches kind of talked about um, you know what they did in the past what they've done um, what what the history of their program was about and that didn't really excite me it excited me going somewhere different and, and doing something for the first time and really building a program and I thought she was the absolute perfect person to do that with. Cool. You know, obviously you've been there in a pretty exciting time, not just for your program, but for the football program. And the football program gets a lot of attention. Obviously it's, you know, nationally televised and all that. But we were saying that the IU women's basketball program was the, the blueprint for Tom Allen. I mean, it had very similar story. Indiana historically did not have a very successful women's basketball team. And here comes this coach who connects to the players and believes and won't accept anybody who doesn't believe. Um, the, the kind of benchmark that happened in Terry Morin's career early on at Indiana was that 2017-18 WNIT championship. And at that point, I believe you had already committed when Indiana had won that. But what was it like watching that team win that championship with like thousands and thousands each game building this audience at Assembly Hall when you knew that's what you were going to inherit and try to get to the next level? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I actually got to come up for a couple of the games and um, just seeing, you know, the, the, the arena pretty much packed was just you know, I'm unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that for a women's game. And it, it really excited me because I know that we do have such passionate fans, not just for the men's team, not just for the football team, but now for women's basketball. And I think as we continue on with our success and, you know, our rise to the top, I think more and more people are realizing that, you know, the women's game and our, our team in particular is very exciting. And that, you know, if they came to a game, um, they, they, I'm sure it would come to many more and would realize that they really, really like it. And it's something that's, you know, a really good product that we put on the floor and um, something they should get behind. So it's, it's, it's really exciting. I'm excited to have fans back in the arena next year for sure. Um, Cause there's some of the best fans in basketball. Definitely.
Well, and when you you think about, you know, Tyra was leading the team, it was like her program when they won the WNIT, but then to build off of that success when somebody like Tyra leaves and, and talked about Allie, you know, earlier, how does Coach Morin kind of, you know, continue to build this thing and the trajectory keeps going up? What's, I guess my, my question is obviously her being there and the continuity of her coaching and her philosophy is huge, but how does she, how does she get you guys to, to sort of come into the program? And then now you're at the point where you need to lead the program. Is that just pretty organic and it happens? Or do you see her, her grooming you to now be the leader of the team? Um, well, a little bit of both. I think when you have people like Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill, uh, who uh, obviously, you know, help them win the WNIT championship and have a lot of success. I think um, that kind of makes recruiting um, a little easier and they can kind of have more of a, a group of players to choose from. And so I think one thing that Coach Morin is, is really big on is finding players that fit her philosophy and fit her goals and that want to come in here and believe in the program, believe we can do things that have never been done before um, and, and work hard. She's big on working hard. So um, she's just been able to find the Allie Patbergs, the Brenna Wises, and all the people that came before us. And then players have trickled in over the years that just, you know, fit her mold of what she wants for the program. And it just, uh, you know, is going to continue to rise as more and more players come in. So let's talk about your freshman year. First off, where'd you live your freshman year? Um, we, we all lived in Briscoe. Disco, Disco Briscoe. Briscoe. <laughs> Do they still call it Disco Briscoe? Um, I don't know if I've heard that, but whoa, I, I, I might just not. That's know. how old we are, Ward. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we were like disco was like twenty five years. But dumb, we knew Mom. what it was. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, all right, so you lived at Briscoe. You're all the whole team lives at Briscoe. Uh, your freshman year, uh, you're not starting regularly. You know, you're like Ward said, you're on a team that's coming off of WNIT championship. And the question is, well, how can we continue to grow? And was it a one hit wonder? And obviously Tyra is now gone. So it's a totally different team in many regards. And you guys just keep it going. And you have a huge game where you score in double figures. And I think it might've one of your first games scoring in double figures when you beat number 15, Michigan state. We, we talk a lot to freshmen when they're freshmen about at a certain point, the game slows down. Did you feel that like when you took the step from high school to college that the game was really fast and then at some point in your freshman year, did, did it become more comfortable? Um, yeah, but I don't know if it was as early as the Michigan State game in January because I went through a pretty bad rough patch um, okay. for, for a couple months after that. So it was still just, you know, getting used to the pace was definitely the biggest thing. But the last couple of games of the year, I finally, you know, kind of settled in and realized my role. And then going into that off season, I started, started to kind of get the hang of it. Well, was there an upperclassman who kind of took you under their wing and helped you get acclimated to not just Big Ten basketball, but college life? Yeah, Allie Pepper, you know, it's amazing that she's still here because um, she was an upperclassman back then. But... <laughs> All, all, all three, four years I've been here, she's been great. Um, you know, when I was a freshman and I was clueless, she always invited me to get in the gym with her, to work out with her, just, you know, go hang out outside of basketball. And so she's been someone that I, to this day, continue to look up to and just kind of model myself after. What's interesting is, I mean, you guys are an amazing backcourt, but stylistically, as far as like the emotion you play with, is very different. You seem very even keeled 
all the time, like a Terminator. And mm -hmm. Allie is like a very emotional leader as well and kind of feeds off the emotion. Has that always been your demeanor on the court or did you have to like train yourself to just be even keel? Um, I mean, I think my coaches and my teammates might say that I, I, I'm a little emotional out there too. I might just oh, really? not expressive as Allie, but I definitely get really into it. And, and, and I'm maybe not as animated as her, but in, um, a completely different person on the court than I am off the court. But Allie is definitely our emotional leader and I love it. I wish I could do all the celebrations and stuff she does, but <laughs> I'm not cool enough. So um, I, I might look a little calmer, but we're both probably the same level, really. Well, you do have a big game and there's a moment in the game where you play our rival, Purdue. You beat them. You have 11 points and six rebounds and two steals. But there's a certain move that you had in that game, a spin move that makes Sports Center. Now, are you, do you, I assume you know about this move making Sports Center. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So tell us, like, how did you find out that they were going to feature it on Sports Center? Um, so, I, you know, after the game, everyone, all my teammates were coming up to me and telling me it was pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, like, I guess it was. I hadn't really, you know, gone back and watched it or anything. So I thought it was just kind of a regular move. Um, and then I, I went to bed that night and I woke up um, around seven for, for my 8 a.m. and my phone was just blowing up. And um, I had like a million tweets about people telling me I've been on Sports Center, all these texts telling me they see me on Sports Center. And I was like, it was a complete shock to me and uh, unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a surreal experience. Well, and as uh, a kid growing up um, who had very little athletic ability, I, I wanted to be on, on top 10 featured plays on SportsCenter, uh, and, but there was never any chance of that. Is Maybe that, as a fan in the background. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Dressed as a cow. Yeah, yes. yeah. For the Purdue game. <laughs> I was looking for myself. Um, is, that, is that the kind of thing, you know, you ever imagined or, or, or it just happens and you're like, I did not think that would ever happen? No, yeah, I definitely did not think it would ever happen, especially as a you know player that really didn't play that much, really didn't score that much coming off the bench. So for that to happen was was pretty um, crazy, honestly. Well, then the amazing thing that happens in that season is you get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. So look, it's the dream of every college basketball player to play in the NCAA tournament and to hear your school called on either Selection Sunday or Selection Monday, as it were. Walk us through what that was like your freshman year to be part of the team and the moment that you heard your name. What do you remember from that moment? Um, so we were really on the border. We didn't know if we were going to make it. We thought we were in, but we were definitely like one of the last two teams in. So it was really nerve wracking. Um, but actually the selection show was supposed to be at like seven and some intern at ESPN leaked the bracket about. Right. Yeah. So right. I was on Twitter and I saw it and I was like, should I click on it or should I, or should I wait and not ruin the surprise? But I had to know. So I saw our name um, and we ended up actually being the last, the last um, bracket and the last team announced. So it would have been really nerve wracking. So I'm, I'm pretty glad it got leaked, but it would have been, it would have been pretty cool at the same time. Um, I, I, I'm wondering then now you're, I don't know if there are any transfers. I don't think there were, I don't think there's anybody on that roster who'd ever sniffed the NCAA tournament before. So how do you all, and obviously the coaching staff is, is largely leading the way here. How did you guys get yourself prepared? Was it just another game, another like road game, or was it like, 
a totally different experience to prep for that that weekend? Um, we had like a week between the selection show and when we played our game and we had to fly all the way out to Oregon. So we were just pretty much enjoying the experience. Um, obviously it's not like every other game, it's NCAA tournament, it was surreal. Um, but we really had nothing to lose. Nobody expected us to even be in the tournament. Nobody expected us to, to beat Texas in the first game. So um, we would just went out there and, and had fun and kind of, um, we played well, which was nice and uh, yeah. I, I love the progression of Indiana women's basketball over the last four or five years. I just think that there are so many incredible steps that lead to the next step. Like the WNIT championship leads to getting in that large bid in the NCAA. You win a game and then you come up against Oregon, who is one of the best teams in the country. And it was close for a while, but they pulled out at the end. But I, when you played that game, and you played good teams your, your freshman year, but do you look at that game and go, that's what we can be? Like, that's, that's why we're going to work our asses off in the offseason because we know with the talent that we have and who's coming and with Coach Morin, that's the level we want to get to. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like you said, Oregon had All-Americans on their team, number one draft pick on their team, um, and had a really, really good chance to win the national championship that year, came really close. And um, for three, three and a half quarters, we were neck and neck with them and had a chance to win with a young team that had never been in that position before on their home floor. So I think um, we were disappointed after that game, obviously, but we also, um, after a few weeks, kind of realized like, hey, like we can be like them next year, we can be like them down the road. So um, I think it just motivated us even more in the off season, just really excited us um, and showed us that we really can be a national title contender in the future. And, and is it simply like being in a game like that, holding your own and being like, we just, we need to, to get in more reps. We just need to be in a few more battles and experience and we'll be there. Or did you see some stuff out on the court that you could be like, you know what, like we need to, I like even you as an individual player, when you're out there playing against, especially from other parts of the country, not conferences that you normally play against. Are you always kind of like taking mental notes and such stealing other people's moves and practicing them in the gym at midnight? <laughs> I mean, definitely. I mean, anytime you can play Sabrina Unescu, it's, um, I, I, I watch a lot of film on her and try to be like her. I always have. Wow. Uh, but I think um, really our mindset was, and Coach Morin's message to us was, we all need to get better individually so that we can be better as a team. Um, if we each improve, you know, our, our one thing in our game that makes an enormous difference going into next enormous difference going into next postseason. So I think that's kind of our mindset, and everyone's really, really motivated to get better as individuals, so we are better as a unit in the future. Well, get better. The team did, and you did in 1920, your sophomore year. You played and started in all 30 games. You were the second leading scorer on the team at 13.1 points a game, which is a giant jump over where you were freshman year. Um, and you become, you know, the second leading scorer on the team. You become a key member of the team as opposed to being a role player. What is that transition like? Do you know that coming into that offseason and, and going into playing games that you are going to be relied on? Or is that something that organically happened as the summer went along and workouts came and you were just taking the brass ring? Um, I mean, after um, my freshman season you know, in our postseason meeting, Coach Morin told me that I could be one of the best players in the Big Ten if I work at it, if I work at my game um, and, and kind of follow their plan for me. And so um, that was kind of crazy for me to hear because I never really thought 
of that for myself, especially after averaging five points my freshman year. Um, and so I think when she told me that, my confidence completely, you know, flipped upside down and I just changed my mindset to, I will be relied upon more next year. I'll be a starter next year. So I need to work really hard at improving my weaknesses. So I'll be ready when November rolled around and our first game came. And, and when you were saying one thing you do to improve your game is watch a lot of film. And is that, you know, I, I, I imagine the coaching film sessions when you guys are breaking down game footage, opponent yourselves, even stuff from practice. But are, are you like in your apartment at night with a laptop looking at footage and just like, or, or are you able to kind of compartmentalize that? Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm always watching film after our games. I've probably watched every game like five, 10 times through. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of obsessed with basketball. I like doing that. I like breaking down every little detail so I can, you know, figure out how to be better next time when I'm in that situation. Well, and like, I've all seen, sorry, real oh. quick. I've also, you know, I, I know that feeling because I've watched every episode of Saved by the Bell five to 10 times. So <laughs> I get it. Like you break it down. I want to know what Screech is going to do. I get it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Screech is the player you should be modeling your game after, for the record. <laughs> Screech um, is who I modeled my game after. That's what the, I was oh, talking to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was at you. Um, but but because I'll I'll be watching a game and there'll be like a great play and my eyes and brain aren't fast enough to catch it the first time, so I'll, I'll run it back a couple times and see exactly how it happened. I assume you do something like that or you get it on the first time. And then it is like, okay, now when I'm in the gym tomorrow, I'm gonna try to say, I saw what she did in that game last night. And now I'm gonna get in here and just start messing around with it myself and see if if it's something that works for me. Yeah, I definitely do that. Um, I watch a lot of other teams play too. So if I see, you know, a WNBA player, an NBA player do a move, um, I'll, I'll go out my driveway and work on it. Or I'll go to Cook Hall and work on it. Um, and then our coaches are really good at you know, breaking down film. They're a lot smarter than me. They're a lot, you know, more knowledgeable in the game than me. So they, you know, break some things down. And then the very next morning, they'll, they'll put me through a workout that works on that. So they're really, they're really good about that. And, and you all know that's funny. Like, obviously, uh, the NBA is, you know, in the finals right now, and the Suns uh, and the Bucks. And a lot of people have been focusing on Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I feel like, like Devin Booker's mid-range game, like you're the queen of mid-range. Like the, the, and you shoot it off the pass or off the dribble. It seems like you might prefer off the dribble. I don't know. It just seems like that happens a lot. But your game does seem to resemble these, these guys that we're watching in the NBA now where mid-range is making a comeback. I am curious, you know, analytics are such a big deal and everybody has said mid-range shots aren't good. Has that affected the women's game as much as it has affected the, the men's game when it comes to the analytics and why threes are so important? And how have you stayed true to your game and made the mid-range such a, a deadly weapon for you? Well, uh, first of all, I'm really glad the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Booker are on a big stage right now in the NBA Finals, just shooting mid-range over and over again. Because um, yes. I've told people all along that mid-range isn't dead. It's a really good shot. It's hard to stop. You can't guard it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the three-point shot has taken over women's basketball as much just because they're probably, you know, there's no Steph Curry's in women's basketball. There's not as many prolific shooters. Um, but, you know, still you see some of it. And so I, I'm always working on my three-point shot. That's mostly what I work on. But um, I'm most comfortable in the mid-range, and I think it's a really, really good shot. 
Yeah, because it's like that idea of like, well, now there's such an emphasis to to get out, close out on the perimeter and all that space is open in the middle that it's like, oh, well, the pendulum swim back. They'll start to sag back a little bit more and then the threes open again. But I think, you know, as me growing up, like Calvert Cheney was my guy and he had such a sweet jump shot that that to see that like all three levels of the game are alive and well at at the highest level it's got to give you a little bit of fodder of somebody in the analytics department is like mm, you know grace you really shouldn't be taking that shot <laughs> yeah i've had plenty of people tell me that actually and i'm like well i'm gonna keep doing it and the suns are are proving me right so yes I'm they happy. are yeah. so let's talk about another kind of progression point in iu women's basketball which happens your sophomore year which is early in the season in non-conference games, you, you play Florida, you have a huge game at Florida. You do that, you, you score 23 points, 10 of 15 shooting uh, and five steals. And that's, you, you earn Big Ten Player of the Week. That's the first time that Indiana had that honor since 2016, which how cool was it to become Big Ten Player of the Week? Um, especially because it was so early and, and really that breakout season for me, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I never really thought that was even a possibility for me. So when I got that that text that I was Big Ten Player of the Week, I didn't even think it was real. So it was definitely definitely really cool for me. I, I want to ask you a question that's that's related to this that, that may be weird to answer, but like you scored five, you got a scholarship offer at Indiana, so you know you're good. But you score five points a game your freshman year, and then Coach Morin tells you you're going to be good. You have the chance to be good. And you work your ass off, but. Did you ever have moments when when things started rolling where you were like by yourself and like, is this real? Like, am I this good? Because I've had moments of that in my life when professionally, if something is like rolling where I'm like, am I fooling everybody? Like, the, the, did you ever have those moments of just like questioning, can this keep rolling? And how do you how do you deal with that if you have those moments? No, I definitely, my entire sophomore year was was just having those moments over and over again. It felt like, um, like when I got named to first team all Big Ten after not even coming anywhere close to being on the all freshman team in the Big Ten. Um, that was, I think, where I was like really, you know, surreal and unbelievable, and where I really, really realized, well, maybe you know, I I can be good and I can be a really good college player. And so I think um, after that moment and going into the off season, I, I've just kind of. But knowing that that can be a possibility that I can be, you know, really good at this level, but obviously I, I, I'm always focused on my weaknesses too and realize that I, I can be a lot better than I, than I have been than I am right now. I, I, the, the, the rivalry between Kentucky and Indiana as states as basketball programs and Louisville obviously factors into that too, though, not to the same extreme as the Wildcats and the Hoosiers, but I do wonder you're a sophomore at this point, um, do you, you, you totally, absolutely, completely hate Purdue or is it even more than that? Well, um, I don't think I necessarily hate, hated Purdue as much as the in-state people when I first got here. I mean, right. um, I didn't really get it. I was just like, you know, um, but, um, after they beat us and we played up there my freshman year and their fans were were pretty rude to us. That's when I was kind of like, all right, I, I do hate them. I, um, <laughs> so I'm a hundred percent bought in now. Uh, your, your sophomore year, I was lucky enough to get to go to a, the game at home, uh, against Purdue where you just waxed them mm -hmm. and 
it was so much fun. The energy in the building was great. I mean, I, I do want to ask you just how much fun it is to play in Terry Moran's system. I mean, the people that are listening to this that haven't taken the time to watch a women's game, it's funny because I was telling people last year, I'm like, I know the men's games suck right now and they're really boring and there's no offense to be heard of, but go check out the women. They play fast. I mean, I, you guys have to be the most well-conditioned team in the country because the ball comes out and you are running big spacing, which allows for the mid-range game, I think also, because you can get into those areas. But how much fun is it just to play basketball in that system? It's a lot of fun. I mean, our strength and conditioning coach, Kevin, is is the best in the country. So I think we do outlast people and we're able to just be running up and down the floor the whole game. And um, she's always, always yelling at us to push the ball, push the ball. So the first eight seconds of the shot clock is, you know, the guards, um, you know, uh, opportunity to go make a play um, in transition. So that's a lot of fun to be in a system like that. And then she also has, um, you know, she's a great coach. She has really, really good plays that um, help me get a mid-range shot or help Mackenzie Holmes get, a, get the ball on a low block. So um, we, we have a little mix of, of transition and kind of freedom and then um, some plays that get us the shots we want. Wait, real quick, that's really interesting. So it's like part of the system that first eight seconds, guards, you know, alley, you push, just try to find a, a mismatch, make something happen, catch them in transition defense. And then if, if that doesn't happen, pull it out and then run the play. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she doesn't want us to take a bad shot in transition, um, but, it, you know, that's when defenses are most vulnerable. So we're always looking to get an easy layup, get an easy mid-range look in transition for sure. And, and circling back to the conditioning for a second, it's like going from, from uh, Sacred Heart conditioning to Terry Morin and Kevin conditioning, you know, I mean, uh, are, do you throw up until you start getting acclimated? Like what, what, if you can reveal any of the secrets, like what, what takes that just to the next level and makes you guys as in shape or most likely better shape than your opponents? Um, well, like I said, Kevin is just, he puts us through some extreme workouts and, a lot of people have thrown up. Um, I haven't personally, so I'm, I'm proud of that fact. Um, but I mean, it's challenging. Even now that I'm going into my senior year, I still, uh, you know, struggle with some of the workouts. There are a lot, a lot of sprints on the football field um, during the summer. Um, a lot of the Versa Climber, which I don't know if you all know what that is. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, uh, all the time. Um, we've, we've learned to love it. Um, so we're just constantly just putting our, our bodies through torture, really, so that when we get in the fourth quarter in, you know, March and February, we're ready. Do you, well, I was just going to say, climber? Oh, what'd you say? Do you hate the Versa climber? Like when you see it, does it make you like, do you try to avoid eye contact with it? Um, well, I see it all the time. I'm always on that thing. We're always on that thing. So we, we can't, we have no option, but to love it. So I guess <laughs> I learned to love it by this point. <laughs> And I was just going to offer, we know, we know nothing to help you with getting into like great shape, what you need to do, but rest and recovery is really where we're, you know, sleeping. That's our sweet spot. You know, if you need any tips on how to get a better night's sleep, that's, you know, I'm, I'm an expert. Okay. I might hit you up for that. <laughs> um, so I want to go back because I, I, I got sidetracked, but I wanted to talk about another kind of milestone that Indiana reaches and that's earlier in the season, but you play South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And South Carolina is a national program and one of the best perennially up there. And I think at the time you play them, they're ranked number four in one poll. They're a top five team. Yeah. 
and you beat them. And it's, I believe, the highest ranked team that Indiana women's basketball had ever beaten up to that point. That was like a watershed moment for me as a fan. It was like, oh my God, this thing is real. Like, this is not a fluke four or five game run in the WNIT against competition that didn't make the tournament. This isn't just one game in the NCAA tournament. This is a program that is building and we just won against the big boys or you know, big women, if you will, and beat them. What was that win like for you in the program? Uh, I mean, it was it was cool, um, obviously, because they're a powerhouse and they've won national championships and that's our goal. So beating them was kind of monumental. But I also think at the same time, we never go into a game expecting to lose. So um, no matter who, who they are, no matter what, you know, if they have a number one next to their name, we're, we're not expecting to lose. So when we win, we, we try not to ever act surprised. Just we kind of expect it, to be honest. But when we're talking about this trajectory, both for you individually and for the program and with with, you know, Coach Morin saying, hey, you could be one of the best players in the Big Ten um, and then you're Big Ten player of the week. Uh, and, and then you're having these, you know, seismic uh, accomplishments, check marks um, as a program. I wonder, do you see that same kind of like you go into the games expecting to believe them to win, but then you do win. Like, don't you all just show up at the next game and you, you believe that the ball's more likely to go into the hoop. Like it just has to be like a compounding interest with each success, the belief, and then the confidence is greater. So then the result is better. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, anytime you can beat a team like South Carolina, uh, and, be, and be really good teams like that. Your confidence always, you know, builds. Um, you can talk all you want, but until you actually do it on the court, nobody's going to believe that you can actually do it. So um, anytime we can beat a really good team like that, I think it's a really good thing for us in the, in the future. Well, and one more follow-up on that, because we know from talking to plenty of guys from the men's team, this occurs after a big win, you know, you go hit Kirkwood, you guys go have a good time, or you back, are you back right in your Spartan apartment looking at Phil? Um, well, I don't know how, how much alike we are on the men's team in that aspect. We just want to be in the gym all the time. So I think all of us just shower up, eat some food and go home and, and go on huddle and watch the game over again. You're a good influence. You're a good influence on that program. Yeah, try to be. So you ha you're having an amazing year. Uh, you're again building. You have some monumental wins and you go into the Big Ten tournament uh, and, and you're, you're doing very well. Obviously, your numbers are all up. And then the weirdest thing happens, a global pandemic. Where were you when you got the news that everything was shutting down? Um, and, and how did Terry and, and the coaching staff kind of rally the troops and keep you guys all together and focused going into that offseason? Yeah, so um, we had like two or three days off after the Big Ten. Our coaches were out on the road recruiting. And then that day, I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday, um, they, they were driving back from recruiting from Indianapolis. Um, and we were walking in the film room to um, begin practice. Um, I think it was like 4.30, practice started like at 4.45. So we were walking in the film room to get ready. Um, and then one of our practice players actually um, came down and was like, did you all see this on Twitter? And we were like, what? And you showed us the tweet and it said that the NCAA had, had called off everything. So that was, you know, especially the, the season that we had to make it that far um, right before Selection Monday. It was devastating. 
Um, and it was really hard for, for Brenner Wise because yeah. she had worked so hard for that opportunity. And then, um, so we were just, you know, all comforting her. And then um, Coach Morin came down and, and talked to all of us. And um, it, was, it, was a, it was a hard couple of months when we were all, you know, dealing with that and home alone, working on our games. But I think we just stayed motivated because we had seen that success in the year. And um, having the canceled tournament just made us even more, more ready for the um, 2021 tournament. To get into the specifics of how you personally dealt with that, was that you at home with the parents shooting in the driveway or were you able to get access to a gym at all? How'd it go for you? Yeah, so my friend's um, dad actually owns um, like a half court gym. So I was able to get a key to that. And I was super grateful for that because I know a lot mm. of people didn't have that opportunity. Um, and then so it was just me and my dad, like old times. Um, he became my full-time rebounder, which I don't think he loved, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, we, we got through it for sure. All right, so I got it. We asked this now of, of shooters. If you're out there working out by yourself or with a rebounder and you shoot 100 mid-range shots in practice, nobody guarding you, what number do you have to make out of 100 for you to be happy? Um, for mid-range shots, probably like 85%, if not more. For threes, it definitely goes down. Um, but for mid-range shots, I hold myself pretty high. And I what about free throws? Free throws? Um, I, I try to make every single one, but I, I don't. But that's that's always my goal. So when you miss a free throw, you're upset, period. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially when right. pressure, yeah. So weird offseason, don't know what's going to happen. Lots of rumors about, is it going to be conference-only games? Are we going to travel? Like, just weirdness. We actually got a chance to talk to Coach Morin kind of during this time. By the way, did you get to see our interview with Coach Morin? I think I might have seen some of it, yes. I do remember that. No. Yeah. I mean, just so you know, she's been known to smoke a cigar. I'm just going to say that. Really? I did not know that about her. I may wow. be outing her. You outed her. Yeah, she <laughs> is a cigar smoker. That, she enjoys a cigar every once in a while with her dad. So come on, that's yeah. That's a good thing. I, th I think it's it's reserved for like the porch in Seymour. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably true. Um, although I have a dream of smoking a cigar with Coach Terry Moore. Yeah, and her dad on the porch in Seymour. Yeah, she offered it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might have to make that happen. Okay, so weird weirdest off season ever. Um, let me just ask a real crazy question: When you got back to working out with the team, and you had to wear masks, right? Yeah. How yeah. difficult is that? So we only had to wear masks like the first couple of weeks before we just decided we, it, it really wasn't possible because even the easiest of workouts, you're having a really hard time breathing. I mean, it's hard enough wearing a mask when you're just standing there and walking around. So um, when you're breathing heavy, it, it was, it was really, really difficult. I um, almost passed out with a mask in Costco. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> I can't imagine doing wind sprints. Yeah. Um, so the season starts uh, first game of the year, you don't waste any time uh, showing that your progression is continuing. Your first game of the year, you, you just put up a triple-double. What did, did you know that you were close to the triple-double? Was anybody on the sidelines keeping you up to speed on the stats? I had no idea. I mean, I never even thought that was anything that I would ever even come close to. Um, but my teammates were shooting really, really well that game. So um, the 10 assists came pretty easily. I didn't even realize it. And then um, when I came out for the last time, I think I had 
a coach pulled me to the side and say, you realize like you just got a triple double. And I was like, I looked up at the scoreboard and was like, oh, wow, like cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool for sure, but I had no idea. I'm guessing you you didn't have one in, in high school or, or um, AAU. Was that, that was your first one ever? Um, I had one in high school, only won like 105 to 10. So I don't think that really counts, but. Oh, oh I say it does. I would take it. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when did you find out that it was the first one in program history? Um, I probably didn't find that out until maybe a couple of days later. I'm sure I saw it on social media. Um, but yeah, that, that was surprising. I had no idea. You know, Grace, you're you're still in the middle of a really successful career and you've got a lot left to accomplish. But do you ever take a moment in the off season, you know, when you're with your parents, when you're in the forced two-week layoff from, from Coach Morin, to realize that your name is in the record books at Indiana University and probably will be for a long, long time. Does that ever hit home? Uh, can, can you allow yourself to think like that while you're still, while you still have a lot left to do? Um, I'm sure down the road when I'm, when it's all said and done, I definitely will. I mean, it, I, I'm very appreciative for it and the opportunity to do it. And it's um, surreal to me um, and I'm extremely blessed, but um, honestly, I'm always just focused on how I can get better for, for the next year. Cause like you said, I still have a lot of big goals I'm trying to accomplish here and I'm at the next level. So I haven't really thought about any of my accomplishments too much, honestly. Well, when you uh, are told by your coach, we all have to get better as individuals to get better as a team. Obviously that's like, you know, work on your game, but does, do you have statistical goals, benchmarks, like you want to reach for this upcoming season to, to sort of be that thing you're, you're training for and you're working for, or do you have to know the only stat I care about is wins and losses and improving my game fundamentally on the floor. So we get more wins and losses. I mean, a hundred percent, the main stat I care about is wins and losses, but I think I do realize that I need to hold myself accountable to get to certain statistical categories in order to, to help my team and do my, my part to help my team win. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's mostly about assists and getting my assist numbers up, setting my teammates up, becoming better in that, uh, defensively that, that, um, and then my percentages. So from three, you know, shooting a lot better percentage than I have the past three years, um, getting my regular shooting, my free throw shooting percentage up. And then I think, you know, the scoring will kind of take care of itself. So, um, those are the main things I think about, but definitely wins and losses and just doing my part is, is the main thing. Well, you certainly did your part in a couple more huge benchmarks for the Indiana University women's basketball program, including 15 points and nine rebounds at Iowa, which was the first time since 1994 that Indiana had beaten Iowa at Iowa. I mean, that is insanity. And then not too long after that, you then go to Ohio State and they're ranked number 15 in the country. And you guys are now battling for Big Ten championship. I mean, that's really in the offing here. And you have 20 points and, and three steals. And that breaks a decade-long losing streak to Ohio State. I mean, you guys are setting kind of like the bar so high for Indiana. And that, of course, then leads to the NCAA tournament, which is back, thank God. Didn't happen the year before. And I could just imagine the, the energy you guys are bringing to that. And you run through that first weekend and you get a bid in the Sweet 16. 
and you get to play the number one seed, right? North Carolina State in a Sweet 16 game. What's the week like before a Sweet 16 game when you get to, you know, you're back on campus and you're prepping? What was that like for you? Um, so we actually stayed out there. We were. Oh, that's right, because everything was bubbled, right? The bubble. So we were all in the hotel, stuck on the floor, couldn't really right. do a whole lot. How um, weird was that? It was weird, but it was definitely a unique experience, a lot different than the first time around. So I'm glad I got to experience it. Um, well, and and just before you moved to to that that stretch of time, can we talk about you just won two games in the NCAA tournament? Yeah. You know, like that. That's like. Do you guys do you guys take a moment like to like order pizza that night and all get in somebody's hotel room and be like, yeah, we got to keep playing? Or again, are you just right back to the film? Um, we definitely celebrated that night. We won the Sweet 16, but the next game it was all business, and we had that whole week or a couple of days at least to prepare for the number one seed. So um, you know, we just were really locked in on that. We had our film session the next day, went straight into practice, and um, didn't really think about what we were doing at the moment. Um, we were trying to enjoy the moment, but we're really just focused on the next game. So then you get to play the number one seed and you beat them. Where does that game rank in all the games you've played? Let's not count winning the gold medal, okay? Let's put that aside. But college games, high school games, AAU games, where does that game rank as just from a team accomplishment and energy and how important it was for you? Definitely number one. It's not even close. Um, it, it was unbelievable. Um, we couldn't even have imagined that happening in our wildest dreams. So beating, you know, a number one team, one of the top teams in the country, that was a real national title contender um, in front of a lot of fans on, on ESPN. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And, and you don't get back to Bloomington at, to be able to relish in any of these victories, but uh, did you get a sense of how crazy we were all going for you? Was social media enough, was text enough for you to understand how excited Hoosier Nation was? Yeah, uh, Coach Morin tried to get us to stay off of social media actually because it was so insane, but uh, <laughs> I had to look at it. I mean, I, I enjoyed it and just seeing how excited everyone was about women's basketball uh, was just super, super exciting for me. And I hope that continues into next year for sure. We don't usually, we usually skip over the bad stuff because why talk about that? But I feel like there is another step for this program to take. And you were close to it. You mm -hmm. had one game away from making the first Final Four ever and being in the Final Four. And Arizona beats you. And, and Arizona, an amazing team with some amazing players, especially one in particular. But what was that loss like and knowing how close you were and how motivating is that for what you've been going through this off season? Yeah, I mean, it was a really, you know, hard loss to, to accept because we were only a few points away from making the final four, which would have been huge. Um, but, you know, once the tournament kind of ended and I was able to kind of move on and we looked back at it, um, I think it is exciting because, um, you know, ever since Coach Warren's been here, she just keeps taking steps and steps to reach new heights, you know, one year at a time. And so the next step for us is the Final Four, is the national championship. And so that's something we see as a real possibility next year. And um, it, it's super exciting. I mean, it's super motivating for sure. Well, instead of a normal offseason, you have a very unusual one. Can you tell us how that process worked? 
to be you know, selected to Team USA, and and then you know I, let, let's start with that. How did the selection process what were the go? Tryouts like, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we were coming back from the NCAA tournament, I was looking forward to taking a few weeks to kind of chill. Um, it had been a long season with all the COVID protocols and making it to the Elite Eight, and so I was excited to go home for a few weeks and kind of calm down. But um, as soon as we landed in Bloomington, Coach Morin asked me to come come into our office and handed me the, the invitation um, for a tryout that was in a couple of weeks. So obviously I was right back into the gym, which I wouldn't have had it any other way. I was super excited about it. Um, and then so I, I got right back up to Bloomington. The coaches worked me out and got me ready for the tryout. Um, and I got there and it was the best talent I had ever been on the court with for four days. And it was super grueling and, and tough and mentally hard. Um, but I was able to, you know, prove prove I belonged enough to make the team, which was unbelievable because like I said, it was so much talent there. Um, and is it where like day by day people are sent home or do, is everybody there the whole time? And then at the end you find out. Yeah. So we were there for, for four days. We had two, two hour practices a day. Um, and then that, 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 that last night, um, they called us all into a room and just kind of named us off one by one. So it was super nerve wracking, but I'm where glad. were you? Where were you in the in the list? Like middle, beginning, end? Well, uh, I was actually right at the beginning, but I didn't know if she was naming the list of the people that made the team or the people that got cut. So I was. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't make that clear. No, she didn't. She oh, didn't. the worst! That is the worst. <laughs> it was horrible. So I had to look at all the names to be called to see kind of who was excited and who was upset. So I knew <laughs> I made the team or not. Um, but then wait, so she reads all the names. Does then everybody look around going, who's who? Like, did well, we? You know, there's certain people that you just kind of knew were yeah. going to be on the team. So once their name was called, I was, I was good. What, what's the first phone call you make after that? Um, my dad. And then um, I, I called my coaches too. So I was really excited to tell, tell the both of them. What was, what was the call like with your dad? Um, he, he was super excited. He was actually out with a couple of friends, so um, I couldn't really hear him, but, um, you know, I mean, it was a surreal accomplishment. He's been through it all with me. So to make Team USA was something I never thought I'd do. And it was just unbelievable. So then, so then what happens? How do you guys, you know, do you, do you go home for a little bit, you know, pack your bags and here we go. It's time to, to practice. And like, and then from that to get down to Puerto Rico, how'd that all play out? Um, well, I, I, I came right back to Bloomington after I had made the team and there was about a month and a half in between and my coaches were in the gym with me every single day getting me ready. So I had a few weeks to get prepared and then um, May 31st I flew to South Carolina and their campus and we practiced there um, for about two weeks and then we flew to Puerto Rico and um, played the tournament and so it was about 21 days um, and we were in a similar, similar bubble like the NCAA tournament we couldn't really leave our room and explore anything. So that was tough, but it was an amazing experience for sure. When you get ready to play that first game and you get to put on the official Team USA jersey, what's that moment like? And do, do you give yourself a moment to take it in? Um, I don't think I really did until the national anthem played. And then that was kind of, it was, it was just kind of, you know, a really prideful moment. And I was just really excited. And that's when it really sunk in that I was, getting the opportunity that I was, and I was just so excited to play. Well, and, and, and you, is there a, a visceral feeling of like when you you're wearing the candy stripes and you're like, I'm representing this university 
and this state, it's on, it's on my Jersey when it's now an entire nation. Can you feel how much just bigger that is more people, more geography, like they're all counting on you. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little, you know, a little more pressure when you're representing your entire country and people from all over are, are counting on you, but, um, I had really good teammates, so they made it pretty easy. So it wasn't wasn't too pressure packed, and I was able to have a good time. It's tough on those teams to like have anybody who stands out. Like there's just so much talent. It kind of every game is somebody new who does it. But in the quarterfinals against the Virgin Islands, you kind of showed out a little bit and had your 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 best overall game, at least statistically. You scored 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals. I mean, stuffing the stat sheet like you do at Indiana. Um, was that another moment for you to just be like, yeah, I, I can play with this level of talent. I'm as good as the, the person to the left and right of me. Yeah, I mean, I think especially when in the training camp when I was going against those girls every single day, um, as I got more comfortable, I kind of did realize that that I was capable of hanging with them and being right right up there with them and I belonged with them. So that was definitely, I think, good for, for my confidence going into next season as well. Well, and I get you're you're focused on the task at hand and you're secluded in the bubble. But, you know, about 40 years prior, something pretty crazy happened with an IU coach when he went down to Puerto Rico. Did 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 you get to hear all the legends and stories of Coach Knight and his trip down to San Juan? I did hear something about that. What he got like kicked out of a game or something or he a police officer in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they probably don't like Indiana, Indiana right. very much, but hopefully I'll make them like this a little more. It was an international incident. Yeah, it became a big deal. He literally put a police officer in a dumpster. Yeah, I mean, it's like what you would see in an 80s high school like movie. Like It's like a breakfast club scene. Um, so you win the gold medal. Um, can you walk us through what it's like when they put the medal on your neck? Yeah, that was another another surreal moment after they um, put the medal on our, our necks and the national anthem played. I mean, it's just, I, I, I mean, that was just something that I'll never forget that feeling. And I never thought would happen in a million years that I would win a gold medal. So um, I, I'm just, I, it still hasn't even really set in. I don't think it ever will. So um, it's something that I'll, I'll be super grateful for for the rest of my life. But I can't imagine that doesn't all again put some new wires in place in your brain of like, we just won this whole thing. We we ended this tournament on a win as the champions. Now you're going back to Bloomington with that goal for your team there. I just have to believe not only for you, but your teammates around you, knowing you've been there. And you've ended the season, if you will, on a win that it, it, it just has to say, yes, I, my confidence, my belief is elevated that much more. Yeah. And I was able to get coached by a coach who ha has you know played in national championships and won, won national championships. And I was able to play on a team and just watch every day and practice people that have played at that highest level and that have won national championships. And that's our goal. So I think um, that's what I'm most excited about coming back to Bloomington and kind of sharing some of that with my teammates so that so that we can be ready for for you know our moment when that comes. All right. You're going on a road trip with somebody on the team, Indiana's team. Who are you picking? 
who is the least annoying person that you, it's like a 15 hour road trip. Who would you pick as your partner? Um, Nikki, um, Cardano Hillary, our point guard, she is yeah. hilarious. So she might get on my nerves a little bit because um, she talks a lot, but I don't talk very much. So I'd like to have her there to crack some jokes and keep me entertained. Is there a singer on the team? Somebody who's always singing in the locker room or during practice? Um, we have a couple of people that think they're singers, but I'm not sure how good they are. Okay. We won't ask you to name names then. No. <laughs> All right. We always ask this of everybody who gets to live in that beautiful city, Bloomington. Several questions about Bloomington. Number one, what's your favorite single restaurant? You've got one night to go out and have dinner. Where are you going? Um, I love Upland. I love their black bean burger. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, when you when you're indulging a little bit, uh, where where do you go for pizza? Pizza, uh, Mother Bear's, easy. Good call. Easy. Uh, are you 21 yet? I'm 22 actually. Yeah. Okay. So, favorite bar in Bloomington? Um, I'm you know kind of kind of nerd. I don't go to bars much, so I really am not on the bar scene. I really don't know much about it. You just get like a 12 pack of Natty Light and head back to the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> for big red liquors. All right. Most hated class you've taken so far? Ooh, calculus. Mm. Not a fan. Yeah. Anything in the math department, I'm I'm all about also hating. Yes. And what I'm sorry, what what is your degree in? What are you what are you going to get a degree in? Um, so I've graduated with a degree in sport marketing and management, and then I'm entering a master's program next year in sport administration. Okay. Well, sport yeah. marketing, you're, you're a gold winning IU star athlete. Give us, give us the skinny on NIL. Are you interested in that? Have people shown interest in you? Like a burger place really should make it happen. By the way, the black bean burger. What are we there, talking there about go. here? Let's go. You're giving them free advertising right now. Yeah, like Grace black bean burger. <laughs> I would be down for that for sure. Um, I think a, a lot of local places have reached out to um, people on our team, local businesses who are really excited about women's basketball. But I mean, it's so new. There's a lot of unknowns. So I don't think any of us are necessarily rushed to do any of that for sure. Um, are you worried at all about as an athlete who, who kind of knows what a locker room situation is and how important team unity is? Are you worried at all that NIL could cause some uh, problems in the locker room? I think um, for a lot of teams, that's definitely a real possibility, especially in women's sports. Um, but we don't have anybody like that in our team with big egos or anything. So yeah, it might really serve as an advantage for us over other teams. Um, well, and, and then I guess this would apply to your team as well, that uh, less about maybe jealousy or rivalries kind of going on, but just the distraction. Like let's say both NIL could be basically an extension of social media and that it's an app on your phone and you can click here and here to, to approve a Grace Beanburger tweet going out. Um, we're going to make this happen, Ward. We're yeah. going to get you a sponsorship for a Grace Black Beanburger. I mean, this is ridiculous that it's not called that. <laughs> on the menu, it should be named that. Yeah, and they should pay a royalty for every Grace Black Bean Burger bought, you get a royalty. I'd be down for that. I'm all for that. <laughs> um, but but do, do you, because you've, you've grown up, you're a digital native, 
Is that any kind of issue, even if it's not in your locker room? Do you think generally in, in team sports, college sports, that just too many, too many players are on their phones too often? Yeah, I mean, as a student athlete, you already have so many different priorities. And I think um, a lot of people with this opportunity to make a little cash on the side, I think um, it might end up taking priority over, over things that, that maybe it shouldn't, like, like school and basketball. Um, but again, our team's pretty locked in on, on our goals. So I don't think I'm too worried about that for us. But I think that's a very real possibility for other, other teams. Mm. You told us Justin Bieber is your favorite musician. What's your favorite movie of all time? Mm, I really like Elf. Oh, awesome! Great, Great call. Yeah. Now you, the you Elf. What's your favorite you, color? You only do you only watch it during the Christmas season, or do you love it so much it'll pop in, you know, in summertime plays? I usually save it for like November, December, but when that time comes around, I'll watch it like 10 times. So do you have a, a television show, a comfort show, one when it's, you know, time to finally put the, the basketball film down that you turn on just to, to feel good? Um, I love The Office and Coach Morin actually is a huge fan of The Office, too. So we've really bonded over that and, and laugh about it all the time. Then you will appreciate, you will appreciate that my, my daughter named our dog Dundee, not after Crocodile Dundee, but after the Dundee Awards from Dunder I Mifflin. I like it. I like that. <laughs> now, are you a fan of the English version and the American version, or are you partial to the American version? I've never really seen the English version. I need to try it out, though, because I've watched the American version like 20 times through. It, it is worth it. It is the the English. I actually think I'm more partial to the English one. Mm -hmm. I love both, but the English one, yeah, the characters, the main characters are are somewhat. They're the same person, but a little different. Yeah. And and, and uh, the difference, I I really like. It's very British, though. Very British. Yeah. Well, we kind of gave that spiel to my daughter, and then showed her the British office, and she was like, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's darker it's darker it's two seasons but as an office fan you should do it just to say you did yeah i definitely need to i will all right grace listen you've given us a ton of your time and we really appreciate it but i do want to say this i told this to coach morin before this last season started how excited i was to watch this team with my daughters mm -hmm. and i have an 11 year old and an eight year old and my 11 year old is really into basketball and you were her player this year and last year. So like, she's like, I want to be Grace Berger. I want to be Grace Berger. And the joy that I had sitting down in front of the TV and watching your team play with my daughter and celebrating together throughout the season and the ups and some of the downs, but obviously a lot more ups. What you and your team have done and, and what the program have done for many young girls that are out there that are growing up in Indiana, fans of Indiana, or daughters of people who just can't get enough of Indiana. It's unspeakably good. It's just profound. It gives my daughter confidence. I see her light up when we watch the games together. Mm -hmm. And screw sports. I mean, there's nothing better than seeing my daughter happy and she is abundantly happy watching you specifically play basketball. So I just wanted to thank you personally for that. And I can't wait to do it again in just a couple months. Yeah. You'll have to bring her to a game next season now that fans are allowed. I'd love to meet her and talk to her. I oh, think we'll do it. Yeah. Out of all the accomplishments, I think everybody on our team would agree. Our favorite thing is 
um, just, you know, being that role model, inspiring younger girls. I mean, that, that makes my heart melt, that story you just shared, and it means so much to us. It really does. So I'm glad I can, you know, have a little impact on our life. Well, and that it's so evident it, that the example you set on the court, you're just good people talking with Coach Morin and getting a vibe for the kind of program she runs and the kind of players she brings in. It just makes us proud on and off the court. And when we look at what Tom Allen's doing over there with the football team, or the soccer team, the baseball team, hopefully the men's basketball team will get there too. Don't, don't forget yeah. women's volleyball too on the come. You know, it's just, it feels to us who've been watching IU sports for a long time that, that you guys are helped leading this charge to a renaissance of Indiana sports that, that is truly unprecedented. So thank you for bringing so much joy and excitement into our lives, especially over this last year, where it was so important for all of us to have something to cheer for and be excited about. So, so thank you for keeping us sane. <laughs> yeah, thank you all for supporting us. We couldn't do it without you all, so it means a lot to us. Well, we will see you in person, hopefully sooner rather than later. We will definitely come to a game, and uh, and uh, yeah, I would love to bring my daughter and have her be there, and if there's a chance to meet you, it would be amazing. I'd love to do that, for sure. Awesome. Grace, we wish you nothing but luck. We'll be rooting like hell for you. Thank you all. Thank you all for having me. That was a guest. That was a guest. My daughter's 11. Your daughter's 11. Yes. She's 22. She's not light years away. Let's just say she's much closer in age to our daughters than she is to us. If you want to say that, then I have to think about that and get depressed. So thank you. But no, don't get depressed. Because okay. to me, I talk to her. You feel her work ethic, her humility, her passion for this thing that she wants. Her maturity. Her maturity. And I go, God, I, that's who I want my daughter. I thought this when we did Lily King. Like, grow up to be that. Yeah, like, I, I think, mean, I think my- You're not my gonna be daughter, as good at sports, but- Right, 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 right. That's, that's off the table. Yeah. But, but I definitely see more Lily King in my daughter in terms of the sass level. Oh, sure. Well, that for sure. Ainsley, my youngest, has that. But I mean, like, the work ethic. The- you know, we didn't get into it much, but look, it it's just baked in when you're a, a female athlete in really any sport, well, any sport that has a male counterpart, that you're not going to get the attention, the, 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 the acclaim, you know, the ultimately the money, like WNBA salaries compared to NBA salaries. And you and I can never know if that is something that sticks in your heart as just being like, man, that sucks. Because if you're Grace Berger, you love basketball just as much or not, if not more than any male basketball player that ever did it. And you're working at it as hard or harder than right. your male counterparts. Yeah. So there's always something to me that like is a little bit like, it's why I, and look, I wasn't supportive of the women's basketball program the way I should have been. And it's only been in the last few years where I've really, realized how important it is to my daughters and 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 look we've got a little bit of a platform so if we can make a few people watch the games that wouldn't have watched it before great I would love that but that chip on the shoulder that you could easily see being something just doesn't seem to exist with her she's just so passionate about her craft her teammates 
her program, her school, her coaches, all the focus is on that and all the other crap like we can't control. So what we're going to do is we have big goals for our program and we're going to achieve those and we're going to entertain the fans that come and they kind of block out the, the other stuff that could be noise. And I admire that. Yeah. I think even that mindset though, is more what we grew up in. Like the WNBA was just becoming a thing. And you look at what grace is known. She's like, Oh, assembly hall was filled up to watch the ladies win the WNIT. We were on national television in the NCAA tournament, like on ESPN, not like ESPN three. Fair. So, so, and then our daughters being even younger than that, I went to see Black Widow with my daughter. Have you seen that yet? I loved it. It's so great. It's so great. I and it's just it. like, like 95% women kicking ass. I love it. You know, it. And, that, and that to, you know, there was not, a movie like that for my sister to go see growing up. So I do think it's, it's, you know, progress is absolutely being made, but on the hard work of, of the women on that basketball team, the, the coach of that basketball team, the female director of black widow, who, you know, she had to work twice as hard to get where she was. Um, but they're setting this example for our daughters that it's like, yes, you can direct a Marvel movie. Yes. You can be watching your, teammates and yourself on on sports center or in the final four or she said she didn't just say final four she said national championship i just love that like look that's the goal for them now that's the goal for indiana university women's basketball period that's the goal now that's what terry morin has done that is the goal for indiana university men's basketball but it's not realistic right now and hasn't been it's realistic for them because they built it brick by brick by brick. I mean, honestly, you look at Terry Morin's career and every year there is improvement every single year. And there yeah. are these benchmarks that we got to talk to Grace about. I just admire what they have done to the program the same way that we admire. If you admire um, what's going on with football and Tom Allen, then you owe it to Indiana to, to pay some attention to what's been going on on women's basketball because Tom Allen is the new Terry Morin. Like yeah, she was the, doing it first. The, the parallels are, are wonderful as an IU fan, just because like we, we say, oh, we loved watching Vic get better from freshman to sophomore to junior year. And both with what Coach Morin and Coach Allen are doing, we've seen this progress. And it's not like a 10 or 15 year journey. Like you can see big jumps season to season and then in recruiting and then the next season gets even better. Now, look, I think both in women's basketball and in men's football, there's like this four or five programs that just seem like immovable, you know, but but then then to, to beat South Carolina as the women did or to, to, you know, okay, Michigan and Penn State, they're not quite where Ohio State is. So it's like, you know, but man, we were within a touchdown of Ohio State in Columbus, you know, and, and it just seems that they're both, now we can go into this season and hopefully most seasons with those two coaches in place being like, we can beat anybody anytime. I just can't get over how special that is when you see something like that happen. And we're fortunate enough that we have two programs at Indiana that are doing it because most programs don't, you know, I mean, oh, most so there's like, there's like 10 programs, 
that you go maybe 15 in a given sport that go into a season where anybody thinks they have a realistic shot to get to the final four or to the, the CFP. And, and we've got, you know, soccer is always there. That's almost, we can just rely on that. But now we have football and women's basketball, man, we hope men's basketball gets there too, but that's like, that is way better. Don't forget swimming and diving, which is always, you know, you know, and and it's with with the individuals that come out of swimming and diving too. We're going to get to watch them here in Tokyo pretty soon. So there's just so many avenues to be proud of IU athletes. And, and, and backing up to the point about like most programs don't, I mean, like most historically bad programs in a sport stay historically bad. You know, maybe they have a quick pop-up, like they get everything comes together one year, they get one special player. But what Terry Morin has done is reshaped an entire identity of a program in her less than 10 years at Indiana. And it's been remarkable to watch. And you can see these steps of progression each year and she's doing it because she's recruiting the right people. And I'll say this, like, I don't want to whitewash this, but there's been a lot of players that have transferred from the Indiana university women's basketball program. Sure. It ain't for everybody. Just like LEO isn't for everybody. And there's going to be some players that either they're not going to recruit because even though they're super talented, they're not going to fit the culture. And I think the same thing is happening with Terry Morin's squad that she has a culture and an identity and it ain't for you. If, if you're not going to buy in, it's not for everybody, but she's built it around Allie Patberg and Grace Berger and Mackenzie and Mackenzie Holmes and, and, and a whole slew of people that are coming. The recruiting is better than it's ever been. And it is just fun to watch that program get molded a, as it has. And I didn't mention it to her, but the elite eight game, my entire family was here for that. That was the first oh. time that my parents flew and then I saw them from COVID. Mm. They flew Never out. Forget that. Never forget that. And we all watched it together. We watched the Sweet 16 game and then the Elite Eight game all together. It was amazing. Like to, And we all said, like, we never imagined watching a women's basketball game because Indiana's never been any good. But here we are really excited about it and loving the way they play. So, yeah, just another example of just, I love, I love her. She's a great athlete, period. Just love watching her play the sport. Who's your pride right there? Yeah, man. Who's your pride? Follow us on Twitter at Who's Your Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? We got a special episode for you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 